This is the Cork Today replay on C103. And it looks like summer is certainly going to keep us waiting for another week at least because we don't have very positive news coming from Met Aaron as to what the week ahead is like. The average temperatures uh, for June is 15 to 18 degrees. But as we head into the second week of June, Met Aaron say it is going to be wet and it is going to be chillier than normal. No sign of any major changes. The reason for it is there is low pressure that's dying dominating with sunshine and showers and temperatures staying a bit below what they should be for this time of year. So no warm weather certainly on the horizon for this week and the bad news is I'd cope with the sort of lower temperatures because you can wrap up against it being a bit chilly but certainly the rain we could do without the rain when we get rid of it. So it's a kind of a mixture of some nice sunny spells enjoy it when you get the nice sunny spells but never be too far away from an umbrella or a rain mac because the showers are going to be across most areas even though down here in the south I think we'll probably get we won't be as bad as it's going to be the worst of the rain certainly earlier the week is for Ulster and parts of Leinster so hopefully it'll stay up the country but it's certainly the weather for most of this week is going to be changeable for this time of uh, year. Uh, John Paul taking your calls at 1850 333 103 coming up on the programme uh, this morning we're going to hear a warning about the latest telephone scam we always try and keep updated when it comes to scams and just make people aware of them so that you're alert you need to bring your A-game now every time you answer the phone or open an email. So the latest scam that we're hearing about details of that. It is Men's Health Week kicking off today. We've got advice on screening programmes that are designed for men. Obviously, we'll be pitching a lot of our information to men, but we'll also be pitching our information at the women who look after the men folk in their lives, be it your husband, your son, your brother, your friend, your nephew, Sometimes men need a little bit of persuasion. Some would call it gentle nagging uh, when it comes to getting them to go see a doctor. There are screening programmes that are specifically for men that men need to go to, obviously. But also if men are alert to any signs or symptoms, they sometimes need to be pushed to go to the doctor. Uh, they, We all bury our heads I think in the sand when it comes to symptoms that we try we try to do it but men seem to be worse than women I think as women we talk to each other more than I think men talk to other men particularly if it's symptoms of a private nature so we need to encourage them to go to the doctor so we'll, we'll be doing a special piece on men's health and the screening programmes that are available that's coming up on the programme at about 20 past 25 past 11 uh, today and also we have details of a wonderful art exhibition by an incredible man it is Tom Leahy from Ballyhooley people in the North Cork area will be aware of Tom Leahy he's a wonderful Paralympian who has won many many medals including gold medals for this country I was unaware that he is also a fine artist in his own right and he has a very special exhibition which is happening next weekend and we'll have details of the art exhibition on the programme today and it is Monday so that means Annalise Drussell from the Health Hub Times Square in Balancolic will be joining us on the programme so if you have a question for Annalise can you get it in uh, to us and she will join us after half past 12 today on the programme as you 
you can get your questions in throughout the morning. Now, John Paul taking your calls at 1850-333-103. You can text our WhatsApp 86 103 Now, last Friday, just before the close of the programme, we announced that West Cork Fianafal Councillor Christopher O'Sullivan has been elected as the first Cork County Mayor of the new council term. So we're delighted to welcome, for the first time in his new role, Mayor of Cork County, and that is uh, Christopher O'Sullivan. Good morning to you, Christopher. Good morning, Patricia. I can uh, get used to that title. Ah, uh, well, congratulations to you. What does it feel like to be the new mayor? It's it's pretty it's incredible. Um, it's it's a bit overwhelming, I suppose. I feel incredibly happy. Obviously, very very proud for myself uh, and my family because we have, I suppose, such a connection with the council over the years. I'm the fourth member um, uh, of my family to to represent West Cork uh, and Cork County Council. So I'm the first to, I suppose, be elevated to the position of mayor. So it feels it, it's a pretty proud moment for the family. But at the uh, at the same time, obviously. There's a bit of apprehension because you're not entirely sure of what's in store, um, you know, what's what's ahead for the year. But speaking to to previous mayors, um, you know, say Patrick George, the the outgoing mayor, uh, for example, um, you know, he said it's one of the best years of his life. So I'm absolutely looking forward to it. Um, but I also realise that the huge responsibility that's on my shoulders. So yeah, and um, I can't I, wait. Can't wait. Yeah, and I think a lot of challenges with the boundary changes in particular. It's a very different council, isn't it, in many ways? It's a different council, um, but as far as I'm concerned, you know, at, at this particular time, we need to get over the the pain, I suppose, of the boundary changes. It was a tough time. It was I suppose, fantastically dealt with, I feel, by our, our previous mayor um, and the executive. But it is a new council, um, but it's going to be a more unified council. I think the, the, the messages, message out of this has to be a very, very uh, positive one. You know, we're going forward, we're not looking at the past, and we're going to be proactive and positive in in terms of the projects we deliver on the ground and how we deliver day-to-day services as well. So uh, for me, it's not about looking back at uh, the boundary extension. That's done. Um, it's out of We've my got to move. We have to move forward. You're, you're, you're exactly, so right. Yeah. But what, what, what do you see as the biggest challenges facing the council? But I, I, in my um, acceptance speech, there were a few items that I certainly wanted to focus on uh, over, over the term, you know, and, and achieve as much as possible within those headlines. So tourism was one. Uh, I know it's, uh, I'm not the first person to bring tourism to the table, but it's something that I get, um, I'm very, very excited about, something that I know a lot about coming from Clannacilty and coming from West Cork. You know, a, a lot of the projects that I would have been involved in my day-to-day work as a councillor would have been project, uh, tourism related. So now I'd love to see um, all that extend countywide. Uh, and as I said, it, it, for me, now it's not just about representing West Cork, but the, 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 the entire county and putting on the red jersey, as I said before. And we have an incredible product here in Cork. You know yourself, you're dealing with it day-to-day um, uh, on your radio interviews. We have an incredible product. It's about selling that now worldwide to Europe, the US and, and still to the UK as well despite Brexit and uh, you know we're, we're the best in the world everyone associates us with, with, with telling everybody how great we are time we started doing that now in Cork on, on a worldwide basis and selling the county so that would be one of the, the issues that I, I'd love to push on um, the second one I think is the, the environment I think it's timely that I've been uh, chosen as mayor for this upcoming year because I believe it is going to be the year of the environment and I have a very proud record on environmental issues uh, issues that I've spoken to you about on your show over the past, uh, Patricia. So, for example, the, the reduction of plastics use would be something that would be high on my agenda. Um, and also, um, you know, the, the reduction of uh, carbon emissions, uh, etc. So, 
I also had a motion in, I suppose, in my last term as a councillor to uh, actually set up a specific department in climate action. So I'd love to see some of those steps happen and we can do it. We start within our own organisation, for example, here around County Hall where I am at the moment, that we get rid of these uh, small plastic cups and um, we bring in um, reusable um, fountains. And even in our own new builds uh, within our social housing scheme that maybe we could provide some type of solar energy um, in our new builds so that we start thinking the right way and some of the some of the ideas may sound a bit crazy and a bit far-fetched but you know yourself Patricia these are the this is the direction we have to take unfortunately. Yeah, we have no choice and I, I think you know we if everyone does their little bit I know people will say you know how come one person uh, one person can make a difference if all the one people persons gets added up together that's what that's what we we, we need to do so so g- good luck really good luck uh, with that do you hope to visit Christopher as much of the county as possible I, I really do. I really do. And, you know, I'm very familiar with, with West Cork. It's, some, it's a place that I'm absolutely uh, passionate about, the coastline, and you know, Planet Guilty, where I'm from, and the different peninsulas and islands. But I think what I'm most looking forward to is visiting, you know, the hidden gems of, of East Cork, which I ha- I'm not that familiar with, and I haven't been to yet, or, you know, the little nooks and, cranny, yeah. nooks and crannies of North Cork that my North, Key, North Cork colleagues uh, continuously rave and rant about but I haven't had a chance to see so I'm very very much looking looking forward to to, to taking a whirlwind trip for the year around the, the entire county um, you know there's, there's so much to be excited about It's going to be a very busy year though It is but busy in a in a way that suits me and as um, uh, someone said to me over the course of the last couple of days you know you won't work a day in your life if you enjoy what you're doing and yeah. I, you know my first couple of events have taken place already so my first official event was the unveiling of a, a beautiful model train in, in the skiing Ballinine village. We know. spoke about it last week on the programme, yeah, and I've seen photographs. It's stunning. It's, it's, it's stunning, and I was asked to say a few words at that, and I gave a little five-minute contribution, and it's really, really easy to, I suppose, um, do public speaking or to address crowds like that when the topic that you're talking about is something that you're interested in, yeah. that you love. And so I'm very, very much um, looking forward to that. So those type of events are, are what I'm really excited about. Um, and, and calling around to these different communities and seeing the fantastic projects that they're involved in and trying to, trying, you know, while while appreciating that we do have issues we, that we, we need to address our housing issue, that we certainly need to address our roads issue, that it's not all as perfect in the world, I intend uh, to, where I can, keep the message of Cork County Council and this organisation as positive as possible and we can do that by attending those lovely events like for example the one in Inneski and Bellanine Okay, weekend. Listen I really appreciate you taking time out because I know uh, you're, you're, you're due to go to a meeting so so um, good luck with that and we look Thank forward to so speaking to you uh, throughout the year and once again congratulations to you Thank you. Thanks. Bye bye. Bye bye. That is the Mayor of uh, Cork County, uh, Councillor Christopher uh, O'Sullivan, 1850-333-103. And it's interesting when he says in, environmental issues are going to be important because I think we're all now so are trying to get so clued into environmental issues and everyone's trying to uh, trying to focus on everybody doing their little bit and I was in the city on Saturday and actually got stuck in traffic because the Sea Fest. Uh, was on at the uh, port of Cork and it was great to see so many people around and there was a buzzing around uh, the city and protecting the world's oceans and small island nations is going to become a cornerstone of Ireland's bid to secure a seat on the UN Security Council and Thonish to Simon Coveney used the 2019 Seafest 
event in Cork to launch this global campaign to protect the world's oceans uh, wealth and he was there with the former US Secretary of State John Kerry in Ireland hopes to harness the power of more than 38 small island nations who are threatened by uh, everything from plastic population the oceans to climate change and rising sea levels. So it was good to see that a lot of the focus of Seafest this year was to do with environmental pollutions and in particular plastic when it comes to our seas because we know our oceans are drowning in plastic and that statistic we've often spoken about on the programme that uh, says in you know by 2050 there'll be more plastic in the sea than fish and we need to do something about it so thought it was great that the sea fest was being used for that but I had my young niece with me who's just 19 and is at that age where she's very environmentally aware and it's great to see it and you know I take great hope from the future when you talk to young people about how aware they are of the environment and you know she talking about things like you know bamboo toothbrushes and talking about bringing containers with you when you go to the supermarket rather than single use plastics and doing everything you can to cut down on single use plastics and I thought it was great so I picked her up from the airport and we were driving back through the city and I was telling her about Seafest and saying it's quite busy you know down around by the port where we were driving that way and and she noticed and I'd seen it on the way in they had these what looked like plastic bags in the shape of fish and they had them floating above the bridges and it was you know to advertise the fact there was flags as well and she straight away said are they plastic and they did look like clear plastic bags in the shape of fish and I was thinking oh at a sea fest and then when I realised that they were doing so much for the environment I'm hoping that somebody involved with sea fest will be able to tell me that all of those plastic fish that were that they were plastic bags in the shape of fish and the wind blew into them so it looked like it was fish floating above the bridges. As I say, it looked really nice and colourful and, you know, nice atmosphere. But please, can somebody tell me that they were in some way environmentally friend- friendly and that they weren't single-used plastics because it seemed like the very type of plastic that could end up in the sea and that will be seen programmes about in years to come and that they'll take hundreds of years to degrade, to, to biodegrade. So um, 1850 333 103, if anybody was down at the Seafest and noticed those plastic fishes fluttering in the breeze. And I want to give a warning out because this has come in from the Blackwater Triathlon Club. They've issued a warning for anybody using the Nokinanik Reservoir for recreational purposes. Now, hope with the way the weather is at the moment, I take it that many people are heading swimming, but you never know. They found... Um, they had a picture up on, I'm assuming on their Facebook page, and it was a club member had found spread out all over the entry and exit point to the water. Thumbtacks, little gold thumbtacks. Now, it, it looked like they had been deliberately, you, you know, you instantly look at it and think, did somebody drop them by mistake? And, and even if you did drop them by mistake, you'd hear them fall and you'd go and pick them up. But according to a member from the Blackwater Triathlon Club, because they went in and picked them up. It looked like they were deliberately spread out over the entry and exit points to the water. Now, the Backwater Triathlon Club issued a warning to anybody using the Nokinanic Reservoir that they need to be extremely careful. And they're one of the members, as I say, uh, gathered up as many of them as they could. Uh, but just, you know, they may not have gotten all of them, but they were little gold thumbtacks. Could somebody have deliberately spread them out 
at an entry and an exit point to a water, knowing that if somebody's walking in and out of the water, more than likely they're going to be doing doing it barefoot. 1850-333-103, lines open. John and Bandit said, great to hear about reducing plastics from the new county mayor uh, and it's great to hear politicians talking about it. Everybody now seems to be on about reducing plastics, particularly single-use plastics. But I wonder, are they all just saying it as it seems to be the popular thing to be saying? The popular thing to be talking about the environment and planning for the future could it be, have anything to do with the fact that the Greens did so well? God, John, you're being very cynical on a Monday morning. Uh, John is wondering, are other listeners, aware, uh, you know, now suddenly aware the politicians seem to be having a green agenda? Could it have anything to do with how well the Greens did? And Dennis in Cantor says, what about the investigation into the leaks of gas from ESB pipes leaking for years? This was shown on the primetime programme last week. What about this that type of pollution. Yeah, listen, Dennis, there's so much pollution going on, but we have to start somewhere and we have to do something. And then Sharon was on looking for advice from other listeners, please, over the weekend. Now, she says it was about 3 a.m. in the morning. So you're talking about the early hours of the morning. A group of what she described as young teens. Now, not not very young teens, not 13, 14 years, kind of the older teenagers, maybe 16, 17, 18 year olds were in her estate, as she describes it, roaring around the estate on a scooter. And the scooter made a lot of noise and they were, you know, up and down and up and down. Now, bearing in mind, this is a housing estate with families. It's 3 a.m. in the morning. You take it, 99% of the people in the estate are tucked up in their beds but not these young people. They were out roaring up and down, up and down at the uh, estate. Now, she said two of the neighbours ended up leaning out the bedroom windows, roaring at them to say, for God's sake, lads, will you stop it? You know, and go to bed. You're keeping the whole estate awake. But Sharon's point was, what about the parents? Now, she said, firstly, they couldn't all have been home alone. There couldn't couldn't have been a situation that somebody was home alone and the parents were away. She felt that some of them maybe had snuck out the window Maybe the parents thought they were in bed and they were out meeting up with their friends or maybe, you know, the famous one that young people do. I'm staying over in Johnny's house, I'm staying over in somebody's house and maybe somebody did have a free house because you assume that that many parents were not aware that their young people were out and what they're... And if they were out at 3am in the morning that they would want to know what the young people were getting up to. Uh, anyway, she's just giving it out because it is the start of the summer season, start of the summer holidays. I mean, I take it they're not exam students. If they were exam students, you would take it that they would have been home in their beds trying to get some kind of uh, sleep. So a word of warning to parents, could you please find out and know where your young people are at all times, particularly at 3am in the morning. Now, I wonder, did anybody ring the Gardaí about it because certainly there's noise pollution and even if not noise pollution that's antisocial at three o'clock in the morning to be going up and down on what sounded like a very noisy scooter something wrong with the exhaust on it maybe and that's why it was creating so much noise and you can imagine the buzz the young fellas were getting they thought it was great crack but it is 3am in the morning lads and other people want to get a night's sleep. There could have been households with children, households with babies that just got off to sleep, elderly people who maybe are light sleepers and, you know, once they're woken, they'll be awake for the night and the people then need to get up for work and need to get a good night's sleep. So kind of cop on a little bit here, young fellas. 
if you want to go around on scooters, do it at another time in a safer area and don't be doing it at 3am in the morning, please. And Kathleen in Kinsale was on. Would you if I could do a shout out? And has anybody else noticed this? That the Kathleen has seen a lot of dead crows. She said she spotted them again over the weekend while out walking in rural areas. She spotted a number of them in ditches or lying on roads. She spotted them dead in fields. She mainly walks in the Kinsale area. So she doesn't know if it's something going on. I mean, that sounds to me like they were poisoned. Were they? Are they? Do they shoot crows? Do farmers shoot crows? I know little or nothing about crows, I have to say. But anyway, uh, Kathleen wants to know, has anybody else noticed if you've been out walking, now that we're into the summer weather, while we went to the summertime without the summer weather, that's what I'm trying to say. Uh, but people are getting out for walks, which is, which is great. Have you noticed dead crows? Are there more dead crows at this time of the year than normal? And does anyone have an explanation as to why Kathleen in the Kinsale area is coming across more dead crows than normal? Is, is what she's saying. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Heidi's been on by WhatsApp to say there is an article in the Examiner newspaper today uh, where the government have put in place a survey related to older people, asking older people questions about their homes and how many people live there and how many bedrooms they have, etc. And it is, according to the article, the results of the survey could help shape the 2020 budget and Heidi is saying I'd like to know what this could mean for older people and it's one of those issues that certainly whenever we raise it on the programme it's the whole issue of incentivising older people to move out of their family home their larger family home and downsize go into a smaller property now that you've raised your family the thought process being that those larger houses then will become available for younger couples with families and the older person moves out. And I know whenever we raise it, we get older people who genuinely get very upset about the issue because they have such a sentimental attachment to the home that perhaps they built together as a husband and wife where they raised their family in and it's a home that in every single room there are wonderful memories and probably there will be sad memories as well but most of them are joyful, happy memories and many older people just hate the idea of parting with 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 what is and will always be the family home. Now there are other older people who will tell you they love the idea of downsizing. They might live in a four-bedroomed house. There may now be one person on their own in a four-bedded house. It's too big for them. It's too expensive for them them to maintain, too difficult for them just to even clean and, you know, keep it tidy. It's expensive to heat. And they like the idea of selling on this larger home, buying a smaller property and then also having a profit. So there's a chunk of money sitting in the bank with which they can use as they're older and maybe do a bit of travelling or whatever. So there are pluses and minuses. But certainly it is a very emotive issue. And Heidi is right. There is an article in the paper today. Uh, it's Fierkna uh, Fierkra O'Kionoth is the political editor with the Examiner and he's saying the government is making a fresh push to entice older people to move out of the family home and then free it up 
for housing and they're gauging their interest in a series of financial and property incentives. The Department of Housing and the Department of Finance, they're serving older people. So I'll warn you this as an older person, you might be asked to take part in this survey and they're asking their views on downsizing and it is all part of research which is due to be completed in September and of course that's just weeks ahead of the announcement of Budget 2020. Now, some of the questions that are being asked. They're asking uh, older people, do they live alone? How many bedrooms are in the home? How often are the bedrooms used? How many bedrooms are in constant use? Do family members or friends stay over regularly or do they stay rarely? They also ask, have you ever thought of downsizing? Have you ever thought of selling your home? Would you consider moving into secure, older community accommodation? Would you consider moving into a smaller, nearby property, if any existed? What financial incentives or initiatives would encourage you to do so? They also ask, would you consider having money in the bank from selling your home as a reason to move out? They also then ask about what other conditions such as a garden would be needed before you would ever consider moving out. And finally, they ask, have you uh, have you assisted your children in buying a home? And if so, how much money did you provide? Now, a spokesperson for the housing minister, Owen Murphy, said the survey is part of research which may inform future government uh, policy. And, you know, people are tying in that saying, well, the fact that the data is going to be collected by September and then within October, we will have the budget for next year. Surely some of the information used from it will be used to formulate thoughts for the next uh, budget. But, uh, you know, and as I say, there are people, it's a kind of one of those issues. I don't know if there's necessarily a grey area. It's either black or white. You're either an older person who likes the idea of moving out of your large house, the house you're in at the moment. You know, it served its purpose. You've loved living there. But now you need to move to a smaller property. Are you the type of person who says, no way, Jose, I want to remain in this house until I go out in a box. That's the way I want to go. I mean, how often have we heard from older people who don't want to go into a nursing home because they don't want to leave that family home. They are so attached to it. But a couple of the problems in some of the questions that are being asked uh, there, you know, firstly when the, when you ask an older person, would you consider moving into a smaller nearby property? Because for some older people who have lived all of their lives in one neighbourhood, outside of the bricks and mortar of the family home, the other attraction will be neighbours and will be friends will might even be family members living nearby you know their local church might be there their local organisations they could be part of a choir they could be you know involved in a craft group they could be in a sport group they might live near their golf course you know all the things that they've done all of their lives and continue to do in, in old age. So they want to be living near. So they will want to live if they decide to downsize they will want to live in a smaller property nearer to where their house is. And therein lies the problem. There are very few smaller properties. We already know when you look at social housing and when you look at the housing lists for the council all over the country, there's a huge proportion of people on those housing lists who are single people who want a one or a two bedded unit and they're almost impossible to get. They are like gold dust. So when an older person might want to move out of a four or five bedroomed house, 
but wants to move to a two bedroom. There's just none available uh, in their area. And the idea of this secure older community accommodation, I think that appeals also to a certain cohort of older people. But again, do we have enough secure older community accommodations. I know it's one of the things that Jim Daly as the Minister for Older People has been working on and trying to work on. It's a model that's used in other countries where you have almost like retirement villages where older people all live together but they live, they will still have their own independence but they might all come together for dinners. I know we've got some wonderful sheltered housing in this country that works very success, very successfully but again in all areas huge waiting lists to secure a place in any of those sheltered accommodations. So we just, we're not building enough of it. So, you know, maybe the government are saying, rather than, they're not going to force anybody out. And that's the one thing I will always say when we do and speak about stories like this. Nobody, nobody can be forced out of their family home by any government. It has got to be a decision that the older person decides themselves if downsizing is for them then they are the only ones that can make that decision. I'm assuming that they'll chat with other family members and they'll take advice from other family members. But at the end of the day, it is the older person, either on their own or as a couple, whoever owns the house, they are the ones that will make the decision. And nobody should feel bullied into making that decision or backed into a corner where feel they've no other choice but to make the decision. It is your house, it is your property and ultimately you are the one that will decide. And if you think it's right for you, then absolutely go for it. But if you also want to, you think the right thing is to remain in your family home, then stick to your guns. Don't move out of that armchair. It is your house and you are entitled to remain there. So maybe the government are using it just to gauge the interest, just to see maybe if they get a lot of interest, if a lot of older people will say, yeah, there are too many bedrooms. The family don't come around regularly. I don't use any of the spare bedrooms. I can't remember when last somebody slept in that box bedroom. Never been used. So maybe I would consider moving to a smaller accommodation. Maybe I would go into secure older accommodation. And maybe if they get enough interest, the government then can formulate plans. And again, I go back to whatever they build, if they do manage to build smaller units, if they do manage to build more sheltered accommodation for older people, then the older person themselves will decide in their area if it's for them or not. We will watch this one with interest, but I can already see some people are a bit worried about it. I know Fianna Falls Housing spokesperson Darrell O'Brien claimed the plans were half-baked. He said his office had been getting calls from people who are genuinely worried and uh, angry. And he says, what's next? Euthanasia. And I know Age Action, and we might try and put a call through to Age Action because they are fantastic advocates on behalf of uh, older people. They're also critical of the plans. And one of the reasons for their criticism is, you know, that they feel it's putting pressure on uh, older people. And, you know, and that's why whenever we make it, make when we do pieces like this, I always make that point and try to get that point through to older people listening. No one can force you to move out of what is your family home. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Can we put a shout out for a young girl 
in Clonakilty is a bit upset this morning. I had a text in to say, Hi Patricia, my daughter lost her phone at the Clonakilty show yesterday. She's very upset. She's only 12. Could you put it out please? Somebody may have found it and if so, they can contact 086 352 Three. Did anybody find a mobile phone yesterday at the Clonakilty show or perhaps today? Imagine the cleanup after the show is probably still going on today. Maybe somebody might come across this, but if or if anybody heard of somebody, you know, the way you'd overhear somebody saying that somebody found a phone, I wonder who owns that phone. If you can contact us or ring 0863. Five two seven nine two three. because there's a 12 year old girl very very upset that they lost their phone at the show at yesterday if you can help us please now we were talking about downsizing in the last hour and also talking about the government and this survey that they're doing and some research that they're doing where they're surveying over a thousand older people asking them about their views on downsizing and the size of the house they, they live in and do family members stay over and how many bedrooms do they have and have they ever considered moving to a smaller maybe nearby property or would they consider moving into a secure older community accommodation and they seem it's as if they're testing the water to see can they put incentives in place in order to encourage more older people to move out of larger homes to make those larger homes available for families and then move into smaller properties. Tom in Cove has contacted us. Uh, good morning to you Tom. How are you doing Patricia? Now I'm doing well. You, you had this very idea in that you live in a large house and you want to move to a smaller property. That's right. I have a four, four bedroom bungalow. Okay. And I was on to the council. I was on to the local council first like, and they said they'd be mad. They'd be mad looking for houses in the area like sort of thing but I'd have to sell my own house first. And I said, why, why, don't, why don't the council buy it off me and I can move on then? Yeah. And they said, we don't, we don't do that. Now, just talking about that, there was an article on The Independent Air about six, seven months ago where a female a journalist said that, that, that uh, there's 50 or 60,000 people who don't, who don't size, like, if they, got the, if they were, had the ability to do it, like, in other words, to get, get a loan, get a mortgage or get a, a billion loan, you know? Yeah because, yeah, be- yeah, because in order for you to move to a smaller property, you'd need to sell your own house to have the money to buy another property. That's it, yeah. But there's going to be a gap in between. It w- you know, it would be ideal if it all worked perfectly that you could move from one into the other. Yeah, but well, this is what they have to fix, right? I, I, I tried I tried the banks, I tried three banks for a bridge and loan. I, I'd have my own property, which is worth 230 to 140,000, right? Yeah. And I'd buy one for, say, 140, 150,000, right? So the, 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 two, the two properties would be, would be collateral yeah. for the loan, right? Yeah. But yeah. You'd, need, you'd need money to buy the second property or... First, yeah. Yeah. And that's the stumbling block you're yeah. coming up the against. stumbling block, exactly, yeah. yeah. I, I, we, we, I, went to the, I went to the banks, no joy, no original, no, not possible. Tell them the story. What's with the collateral will be there, like? Yeah. I went to the credit union. I could get uh, credit union. Will give me fifty thousand. But that's, that's only. You won't buy anything with that. For, yeah. For that, like. Uh, the, the, I think one of the one one of the priorities about don't uh, all the people don't say is that they want to be going to an area where there'll be no children involved. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now they have a place in Dungarm which we we checked out there about eight months ago. And they have shadows, beautiful shadows, two bedroom shadows, but all that you need, like, right? And you have to be 55 to buy it or rent it. 
they're, they're, it's almost it's based on the model it's like a little retirement village that's right yeah, yeah. Exactly. and I know in fairness to Jim Daly the Minister for Older, Children, older People and he comes in for a lot of stick but that he's been pushing that idea and reckons every town um, and even village, if he, in the ideal world, would have a facility like this so you could even stay locally. You know, like you live in Cove. Yeah. If there was a retirement village opened in Cove, I'd say you'd be the first in line to... 100%, yeah. 100%. And then the, when, you're, when you're trying to run a large house, are you, who else is in the house with you? Well, just the wife. She's yeah. actually, she's actually in hospital. Though, All right, so there's just the two of you. Yeah. Is it's costly, isn't it, to run a house it, that it, size? It's costly. Yeah, you go, you go, you go. When, when you're doing nothing, you go into bed. You honestly read the paper, watch the television in bed or something like that. Like, and, and you get up, leave, and you put on the fire at seven o'clock or six o'clock or something out of the heat. You know, especially in the winter, like you know, otherwise we're out and about, like. Yeah, the summertime isn't too bad, but certainly the winter months. Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah, I mean, and it's and just and there's general maintenance in the house. Yeah. And then the gardens and all that, like you know, so I'm getting too old for that, like. I know, I know, it's, it's tough going. And when they ask the questions, how often are the other bedrooms used? Do you have many family members come visit and stay in the other I, bedrooms? I have, I, have, I have one son who had an accident there a couple of years ago and he, he, he comes maybe, uh, he might say one night a partner or two nights, two nights in a partner, like I say, his, his, own, his own, he hasn't got his own property, but he's staying with a person, you know? Yeah. So that, that's about But the other thing. bedrooms are never used? No, 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 never used them. They're full of stuff. <laughs> uh, and wouldn't it wouldn't it be ideal for for a family a four bedroom house? But like the, 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 the money, the money, the initial money is the problem. Say one hundred fifty thousand. I I bought my house off the Cork County Council in nineteen seventy three. I got the mortgage off the Cork County Council. There was yeah. no hassle but through all the, the paperwork you have to do to to get a mortgage and done. And it sure could be the same today. Like getting the money is the problem. So, so what the government are doing with testing the water with this survey? Yeah, I, I mean, if that could be, if if it, if it can highlight problems like you're identifying, and then they come up with the solutions for it, yeah, it could work. It could it work. Would, would work a hundred percent. Like I mean, the the, the, the obvious thing where I'm living, there's there's eight or nine people who have only one spouse. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they have the same size house I have, like. And do you think others would, would downsize well, as well? I, I, I was talking to so at least seven of them, like, and five of them would, five would, would, would definitely consider it. Like, so the yeah. what that means to them, I don't know, but they'd definitely consider it because they have the same problems. I know the garden and the, the sons and daughters come into the garden and the housework and all that kind of crack, you know? Yeah, it so. is hard. It is hard. Okay. All right, listen, Tom, and your wife's in the hospital at the moment. Is she okay? Is she, will she be out yeah, sooner? Yeah, she'll be going up in a minute. Sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right, listen, uh, look after yourself and, and your lovely wife and thanks for joining us. Okay, thanks. Uh, good morning to you. Bye-bye. And there are probably others like Tom as well, as I say. It's one of, there's a divide down the middle. There are the people who would love to downsize, want to move on, want to start the next chapter of their lives and they want to do it in a smaller accommodation. And there's one problem, one obvious problem. If you don't have the money in the bank and there were very few older people would have that kind of money to be able to buy another property and then sell off their, their own. And there's very few properties would get bought and sold where you would literally walk out of one front door and walk in the other front door. So that's, a, that's an obvious problem that certainly needs to get sorted. Now, some of your... Questions coming in. Texas says, Patricia, why do, in the, in the list of questions that have been asked, why do they want to know if an older person gave money or and how much money to their children? It seems like a revenue stunt, says this texter. That was one of the final questions on it. Have you assisted your children in buying a home? And if so, 
how much money did you provide? Now, I don't particularly know why they're asking that question when you look at all the other questions. All the other questions are gauged at the interest in the older person of downsizing a property. So I don't quite know why they're asking that. It, the survey is being conducted by the Department of Housing and that texture is right. It is the Department of Finance as well. So I don't know. I, I simply, I, I don't know why, why they're asking that question. I mean, anecdotally, all of the government departments will know that family members are helping out other family members to buy properties in the main. It is the older generation are helping out the younger generation and they have to because they literally, the younger generation do not have a hope of buying a property. So many parents, if they're financially in that position, do it to, they, you know, will help them with a deposit for, for an example. We've heard loads of times why they want to know. I don't know. Maybe Maybe somebody else can see as to why you think the Department of Finance and the Department of Housing would be asking older people, did you help your son or daughter buy a house? And if so, how much did you actually give them? That's from Jerry in Bosford. Thank you for that, uh, Jerry. Some of your other texts and calls uh, coming in. Sheila says, Patricia, I think the weather is fabulous at the moment. You can work and do everything without being too hot, too cold or too wet, says uh, Sheila. This kind of summer weather is suiting Sheila And as somebody else said when I was giving out about the rain, saying we need the rain for the gardens. And it's true, the gardens are looking great because of the rain that we're getting. I don't know if we have excess rain for June. We certainly, the temperatures are a little bit down on what they are of late. But yeah, I do know the point you're making. We are getting wonderful sunny spells and then it rains. As we're saying, you can never go very far without an umbrella or a raincoat with you. Once you do, you'll be absolutely uh, fine. Now, can somebody help Robert, please? Hi, could you please ask somebody out there in the know who might have an answer for me? I have a van. It's a three-seater van that I use for work. It is taxed commercially, but my insurance covers everything, both work and to use the van privately. But what I now want to know is, can I be done, i.e. prosecuted, when using the van for outside of work, as the tax says goods only. And obviously when you tax commercially, I'm assuming it's less than when you tax a private vehicle. So Robert wants to know, it is in, for the most of the day, it is a commercial van. But then obviously in the evenings maybe on the weekend, maybe it's the only vehicle Robert has, he then uses his van to go around, you know, shopping, socialising, visiting friends, family, uh, whatever. And his fear is, could he be stopped and prosecute it because he is out socially in the van but yet the tax is for commercial use only but yet he does have the insurance he's well covered on the insurance I, I don't know the answer to that but we'll see uh, I'm assuming that's you're not on your own Robert to be in that situation you will have other work men and women who will have one vehicle the one vehicle happens to be their work vehicle that they have to use outside of work hours if they need to get anywhere are you covered could you be done? I, I've never heard of it before, but we'll see. 1850 We have listeners out there who are a mine of information and hopefully they'll come back to us on that. Thank you to Mike in Banshee for his very kind words about the programme. Eddie in Ovens says, maybe the scooter bikers that are our first caller this morning, um, who was Sharon, was on about this, was the gang of young group of 
older teens. She's got young teens down, but I spoke to John Paul and John Paul said, no, they're older teens, kind of the 17, 18 year olds who were roaring around her housing estate at 3am in the morning over the weekend on a scooter. Noise is horrendous. It woke everybody up to the point that two of the neighbours were hanging out the bedroom window screaming at them. Would you ever stop? You know, have you no homes to go to? We're all trying to sleep. Will you go away, please? Um, Eddie is wondering... A bit tongue-in-cheek, I'm thinking, are Eddie. Maybe the scooter bikes were putting the bins out as it was 3am in the morning. And Eddie, of course, is referencing the strict new bin laws which come into force from Cork City from today. They will follow suiting to Cork County as well because Cork County Council have also taken up these uh, bylaws. The new uh, bylaws, this is for the city, will see penalties imposed for leaving your wheelie bin out late are leaving them out too early. They're also going to be targeting homes not using authorised bin collection services. Now, we, we've we heard a lot of people shout for that for a long time. People who live beside somebody who never puts out a wheelie bin and the neighbours know that their rubbish has been illegally dumped. And, and how many times we've had calls in from people saying, why can't the council call to so-and-so's house and say what do you do with your rubbish because you don't have a wheelie bin how are you disposing uh, of it and this is one of the things that the council will now be able to do there now there's a bylaws in, bylaw in place that they will be able to go in to somebody's house and say you don't have a wheelie bin you don't have a regular collection what do you do with your rubbish now we know the f- not every household has a wheelie bin. There are some people disposing of the rubbish illegally, illegally, but others don't. Or others are very good at recycling, etc. Um, so for those households that dispose of their own rubbish in a legitimate way, they need to keep receipts for their bin collection service for a year to prove that their waste has been disposed of in line with the new wheelie bins. But it is under these new laws... It's the times you can put out your wheelie bins that's upsetting people. Householders will not be permitted to leave their wheelie bin out before 3am on the day of collection and they must be brought in by 2am. Now, if your bin gets collected at nine o'clock in the morning, that's fine. You should be up in plenty of time to put the bin out. But we heard from some households who say their bin collection starts at 6am We'd, we, we, we would have to make contact with all of the bin providers, certainly now for the city, and ask them, what is your earliest bin run? When does your first bin truck roll out of the yard and start collecting bins? Some people are saying it can be as early as 6am in the morning. And if it is, those people then will have to be set an alarm clock and get up very early to put the bins out because they... have a tendency to be the people who put the bin out the night before. Lots of people if they have an early bin collection will put the bin out the night before. Under these bylaws you're not allowed to do that from 3am feel free but you can't do it before that and then the other one is having your bin back in by 2pm in the afternoon. Again, that's going to catch some people who say live in the city but work in the county, has a commute to work or commuting to the other side of the city they don't get home in the middle of the day. There are very few workers who are able to pop home for their lunch. Most people, when they leave for work in the morning, they're not back again until evening time. Now, all I can suggest there is that maybe you might have nice, kindly neighbours. This is where it's good to get to know your neighbours. There may be somebody in the neighbourhood who'll be able to pull your bin in. But there are strict rules and regulations. Also, you can't overload your wheelie bin. 
and they're look they're talking about fines of up to two thousand five hundred uh, euro, and obviously this has been operated by Cork City Council. But remember, there were people who up to a few few weeks ago were living in under the remit of Cork County Council, but with the boundary changes that I just spoke with the new county mayor about earlier, there are people who now are under the City Council. So they're going to come in under these new rules and regulations and they are in force as and from today. The one thing it will stop is people who leave their wheelie bins outside their front door all of the time. And some people who live in terraced houses find it very hard to drag wheelie bins in and out of the property. So they'll leave it outside and obviously it's there's, it's littering. People are are emptying the wheelie bins out or they look unsightly and I'm assuming they're all and part of the reasons why the council have decided to bring in these new bin laws and the bin police as we've been affectionately calling them uh, since they first got mentioned will be out in force. 1850 103 our lines are open. C103 Jobs an experienced snagger slash handyman is wonderful work in the Fomoy area. You need to be able to supply your own tools and hold a valid safe pass. The carpenter is wanted in the Glanmire area. Again, own tools and a safe pass. And summer work is available for a tractor driver. It's on a tillage farm in the Kinsale area. And a kitchen assistant is required to work on a casual basis in a healthcare facility in Dungorny and in Middleton. You'll find all the job details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. Now this is Men's Health Week with this year's theme Men's Health Matters with a special emphasis on health screening. Joining me to discuss the importance of this week is Aoife Collins who is Senior Health Promotion Officer at the National Screening Service. Good morning to you Aoife. Good morning Patricia. Uh, you are welcome to the programme. Why do you believe men are often less likely than women to avail of screening services? Um, I suppose definitely we don't know. I suppose we do know from the research that men are less aware of their symptoms and they're often more reluctant to seek help. They also delay going to the doctor, which means that their symptoms can be often much more advanced and then harder to treat. And I suppose that's why I'm here today is to to discuss the two screening services that we offer for men um, and the importance of availing of the services before there are any signs, symptoms or concerns. Because as with any diagnosis of uh, cancer, the earlier you get that diagnosis, the better the prognosis. Exactly, exactly. I mean, we know that um, since our bowel screen programme started in 2012, we have detected over 700 cancers, but we've also removed um, over 19,000 pre-cancer growths. Goodness. They wouldn't wouldn't even have been, you know, they were at the stage where they weren't even at the cancerous stage. They were pre-cancerous. So, again, it's all around early detection, going for your screening early. Yeah, and if those men had left it when they did get symptoms then it possibly would be too late or could be too late. Exactly, exactly. And the treatments end up being a lot more invasive and longer and more difficult. Um, And look, we do know that bowel cancer is the second most common cancer among men in Ireland. Um, And often, again, if, you know, 
by the time they present, it's too late really for them to be treated. So the main aim of this uh, service for bowel screen is that the men would avail of this, be picked up early and treated successfully. Okay, and us as the women in their lives, we have a role to play, don't we? Exactly. Encourage them to attend. Exactly, and we do know that as well from the research that a lot of the time men tend to avail of services more when they're encouraged by the women in their lives, also family members, sons, daughters, you know, so anybody listening in any um, age group today, while our service is for men and women aged 60 to 69, if you know of anybody in that age group, to please encourage them to avail of the test. Um, It's a home test, so it's done at home. Um, So what happens is you get a letter from Bowel Screen inviting you to to avail of the test, what you need to do then is ring the free phone number on the letter. That's one eight hundred four five four five five five. Once you ring that number, the kit will be sent out to your home, and it's done in the privacy of your own home. You do a stool sample in the toilet. You do a little scraping of the stool. You send that sample back. There's a stamped addressed envelope comes with it. It's a pack that comes. Everything's in the pack. It's analysed in the lab, and you get the result by post in four weeks. Wow. Wow, that's really quick. And in the majority of cases, everything's going to be okay. Oh, yeah. So about 95% of the, the people that we would screen are come back with nothing. Right. Um, the other 5%, what we're actually looking for in the test, it's, it's blood that's not visible to the human eye. So if you're seeing blood in your stool, you need to be going to your GP. There's something going on there. Um, this is looking for blood that is not visible to you. And the test is so sensitive, it will pick up that blood. Um, and then you'll be called back. And then you're referred into a local hospital down in Cork. It's the Mercy. So you would get a phone call from a designated nurse there and you'll be called in then for a colonoscopy. Again, all it's, it's all done in, in pr- prompt time. And how often do you go for bowel screening? So we invite people every two years. Okay. So once you reach the age of 60, you will be invited every two years. Um, the first time you get the invitation letter, after that, once you avail of the service, you get the kit sent out directly to you Great. the next times. Um, again, as I said earlier, if there is any symptoms or you have any concerns or anything going on for you, whatever age you are, you would need to be going to your GP. This is a screening service. We're looking for something where there's no symptoms there yet. Okay, and that bowel screening, is that for men and women? Yes, it's for men and women, but we do know that the men are not availing of it. There's a 10% difference across the country in men and women availing of the service. And also, unfortunately, bowel cancer is more prevalent in men as well. So it's very important that men look after their own health. And, they, and you know, as I said, it's all done in the privacy of their own home. They just have to pick up the phone, ring the free phone number, and the kit will be sent out okay. to them. And please don't ignore any symptoms. Now, the other screening a lot of people may not be aware about, and this is a diabetic retina screen. Yes, so this is for anyone who's diagnosed with type 1 or type 2 diabetes. Um, So this would be, again, um, anyone age 12 plus would be invited for this. And this is a yearly screen. So I suppose it's different from our other services in that it is a non-cancer screening service. But it is looking for damage to the back of the eye as a result of diabetes. So if you have a clinical diagnosis of diabetes, you need to be having this eye screen done every year. So this is, again, it's a national service offered to all diabetics. 
Um, and what happens is they get a letter again and then they go to a designated centre to get their eye screen done. Um, you know, so I suppose the biggest thing really here is that if you're listening today and you are a diabetic and you've never heard from our service, you need to ring the free phone number just to check that we have your information on the register. If we don't have your information on the register, then your GP actually has to register you. You can't register yourself just because you have to have a clinical diagnosis of diabetes and the GP just has to confirm that. So once you have um, registered, you will receive your appointment yearly. And again, it's the leading cause of blindness in the world um, um, if diabetic retinopathy. So it's really important if you are a diabetic to be screened every year. Okay, Katie wants to know why does bowel screening end at 69? What about people in their 70s? Yeah, so again, I suppose when they ever, they set up a, a screening service, um, they're always going to look at where the, the incidence is highest. Yeah. Um, so at the moment it is 60 to 69, but the plan is to roll that out to 55 up to 74 in the future. But well, at the moment it is at the, you know... But it's the, the same with every screening programme. There's a start date and an end date from an age point of view. And I suppose yes. there has to be. There has to be really, yeah. And I mean, it's all, uh, there's a lot of reasons for it, but we always look at what group are most at risk and can most benefit from it. Yeah. Okay. Um, but also then, you know, as I said earlier, if there's any concerns in any age group that they need to go to their GP. So that's within, in between screenings, if you're 60 to 69, if you're younger, if you're older, you'd need to be going yeah, to your you GP. Yeah, do, you, you don't wait for, for the screening no. programme. And then for general health, uh, Aoife, I suppose there's the obvious ones, watch the way, you know exercise cut out the cigarettes that kind of stuff yeah, so I mean, look, at the end of the day, again, for, 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 I suppose, if you're talking bowel health, you know, it kind of equates really to good health in general anyway. We'd just be encouraging men to be more physically active, eating a diet, high in fibre, uh, plenty of vegetables, um, reducing their intake of processed and red meat, so that's, you know, fries and sausages and their rashers and red meat, increasing their intake of fish, um, maintaining a healthy weight, and again, as you said limiting their alcohol and smoking um, and availing of any screening services that are offered to them as well. Okay, all right, it's going to be a, a busy week and I take it. Yeah. And the Marie Keating Foundation? Yes, so the Marie Keating Foundation will be at the Cork show this weekend. Okay. So if there's anyone listening, it's going to be attending the Cork show. They have more information on bowel screen and you can check if you're eligible, if you're registered um, there on the day or over the two days are there the Saturday and the Sunday. Fantastic. Okay, Aoife, listen, thank you for that and thanks for taking time out to talk to us. That's great. Thanks a minute. Good morning to you, thank Aoife you. Collins, Senior Health Promotion Officer at the National Screening Service. And this is Men's Health Week. And the call to action is make the time, take the time. So to the men out there, look after yourselves. We want to keep you around for a little bit longer. And to the women in their lives, if there's anything you can do, encourage them, uh, please, particularly on the bowel screening, if, when they get that letter in the post, that they act on it and they don't ignore or put it in the bin, which we have heard of happening before in the past. Just on a health-related issue, I saw a text come in earlier and it made me smile and I said, I must make sure I gave a mention uh, to that. Um, there's no name on it, but it listen, says, Hi, Patricia, I was on to you before about having my hip replaced in Belfast under the cross-border health initiative. Just to let you know, it took four months to get my money refunded. But on a lighter note, and a brighter note, I'm back home after having my second hip 
replaced. Isn't that terrific? Well done. You won't know yourself. You really won't know yourself. But yeah, we dealt with that before with people going on the cataract bus. I think the majority of people who go to Belfast under the cross-border health initiative are the cataract because it's it's up and down. Like, well, they overnight now and, and they're back down on the bus and the the one that operates out of Belfast. No, it's, uh, they operate out of West Cork. But people go from all over the country. We were getting reports in from people who were complaining that there was a delay in getting the refund back that early on when this initiative started to gain in popularity. People were have their money within a month because a number of people don't have the money for the cataract operation or for the hip operation is a much more expensive one. So I know a lot of the credit unions are being fantastic in almost offering a type of a bridging loan really to people and then when they get their refund in they go to the credit union and, and pay off the loan and credit unions played a great great role in the success of this cross-border health initiative but we were getting complaints in that people were waiting longer than the month and then we heard the last time we checked, looked into it we heard it was up to three, four months people were waiting And one of the reasons for it is it's due to the success of this particular programme. People are just sick of of staying on waiting lists. The cataract people in in particular, fearful of going blind. We heard stories of people who were carers. They had a cataract and they were saying, if I go blind, who's going to look after me and who's going to look after the person I'm looking after? So there were some families who felt that their loved one had no other choice but to go to Belfast to get the cataract sorted out sooner rather than later just fed up waiting on the waiting lists down here in the south so they were going people who get the hip operation done or a knee operation done are doing it because of the pain that they're in they are just sick to the teeth of living in pain and they go and get the operation done because again the waiting times uh, down here are just too excessively long for people but because of the success of the scheme more people now are applying for refunds. Now, the last time we looked into it, which was a number of months ago, we were told that the department, the HSE, was, they were taking staff, they were doing a secondment. They were taking people from other departments and putting it into this refund department in order to try to process you know, go through all the forms and I don't know how detailed the forms are, but to get everything sorted out and and get the money back to the people. But, you know, maybe we we still have a huge amount of people going because I was speaking with um, an eye, I was in getting my eyes, my annual checkup for my eyes and I was was speaking to the ophthalmologist, isn't that who checks out your eyes and we were actually talking about the cross-border initiative and uh, he was making the point that he sent a lot of people to Belfast but, and I said are there delays in getting the refund and he said yeah there is and he said agreed with me it's because of the success uh, of it so I mentioned for others who are waiting to get their money back don't panic you will get your money back but there does seem to be a little bit of a, of a delay but I'm thrilled to see that that particular person don't know if it's a male or a female listener second tip done saddens me that you've got to go all the way to Belfast to get two hips replaced but you've been brave enough to do it so well done onwards and up, upwards and you won't know yourself now that you've had the second one done 1850 John Paul taking your calls text or WhatsApp 086 103. I can see some questions already coming in for Annalise Dressel our nutritional therapist get those in as quick as you can and she'll join us after half past 12 today now some of your texts coming into the programme some people are worried about these strict new bin laws that are coming in can I just emphasise once again the bin laws are coming in for people who live under Cork City Council now I know some people 
had been living under the remit of Cork County Council, but with the boundary changes have moved to the city. So they are city bylaws that are coming in from today. They are coming in for the county as well. We'll check on the exact date of that, but the stricter bin laws for the city are, it's for the city, because I can see people are starting to worry in the county. For example, uh, Margaret um, says, I recently took my refuse and all of my recycling to the Canturk facility. That's a um, civic community site, isn't it? Fantastic recycling unit. But I couldn't get a receipt there. I'm not sure what I should be doing now. Well, I'm assuming that once the rules, the same rules and regulations come into force in the county as they are in the city, with the city householders being told to hang on to their receipts for a year to prove that they dispose of the rubbish. I'm assuming all of the bring sites, all of the civic amenity sites across the county will have to start issuing uh, receipts to uh, people. So hang in there, um, Margaret, and we'll find out more. We'll find out if that is going to happen, but I assume it will. Now, next weekend, my place in Middleton will host a very special art exhibition no, it's not. Sorry, um, I'm going the wrong way. Karen on the line. It's not Karen. Sorry. Um, my apologies. Sorry, that uh, interview, uh, that person isn't available. OK, I'm going to um, Jim on the uh, Western Road. Uh, good morning to you, Jim. Good morning, Patricia. How are you? I, I'm, I'm very well now. Oh, OK. I was talking about the environment early and early and we all need to be getting very aware of environmental issues. And I think a lot of people are becoming very aware because we're drowning in plastics. You've spotted something, cable ties. That's right. Um, if you walk along um, College Road, Western Road, you will see um, commercial um, ties onto the poles because... These so-called politicians have people out uh, putting up posters for elections, etc. When the elections are over, they won't go to the same trouble as they did to secure them. They just tear off poster and leave the ties on hold. Now, certainly yesterday walking along, if somebody was slightly impaired vision-wise, somebody who was intoxicated otherwise, or somebody who wasn't alert could get the eye taken out of them with the volume of Tyra these poles. And they're sticking out. And they're sticking out everywhere. So all these famous politicians that we have should maybe take a walk together and see the damage to the environment and the unsightliness that has arisen as a result of their actions. Yeah. And I think that needs to be addressed. Yeah, and I know we the eyeball, the Literal League survey is out. I know we're not going to get to it today. We'll hopefully get to it tomorrow. It'll be interesting to see uh, when they were doing their surveys, did they come across uh, the cable ties? And, and I'm sick to the teeth of, of giving, calling it out when we were asking people to bring take down the posters to make sure that they took the cable ties. And the cable ties are absolutely single-use plastics. They are, and you, like they're commercial, so they're a way thicker than yeah. the normal domestic. And I, I think what should happen there is that when people put up posters, there should be photographs taken. And if those tie wraps are not removed properly, Find then issue yeah. proceedings against Because the they can issue proceedings if they leave the poster up, but it's very hard to work out whose ties belong to, belong to who. But something needs to be done about it. Well, outside 
inside the Bonsecure Hospital um, just over, say, 10 days ago, there was still a poster up there belonged to a particular politician. Yeah, there's some rogue ones have have been left up there. But, but what the point you are making very much ties in with the issue that, again, we've discussed before. Do we need these posters at all, Jim, really? Not at all. In, in fact, they're all talking about electronic voting, etc. You come along in this modern age, people have Facebook, they have everything to go on and see exactly how good a politician is. Most people know what kind of politicians are already. They don't have to put up their uh, posters for somebody to decide. Yeah. In actual fact, it's a turn-off when you see it. <laughs> have, you, have you never voted for somebody because their smiling face was beaming down at you Not every morning? <laughs> no, I, I, I vote on fact and what they're capable of doing. Yeah. Not you know, putting up all these false promises, etc. But also, um, Patricia, you know, that's bad enough. It's most unsightly for, you know, tourists coming along there now, visiting UCC, etc., and seeing all these things yeah. on the poles. But not alone that, if you go along College Road from, say, the Barrick Street side, mm. you'll see the amount of bins that's out there. Uh, no covers on them and rubbish being pulled out by uh, crows and various things, you know, it is a disgrace, yeah. especially for people who are living in the area, the residents who are trying to maintain it. Yeah, it's tough. It is tough. Yeah. All right, Jim. Listen, thank you for that. We appreciate your call. Patricia, can I just ask you one thing? Yeah. I've been observing for a long time, going through Cork City, and, you know, you have comment yourself, you know, with traffic delays and all, with the Sea Fest. Yeah. Would the corporations consider um, engaging... Um, transition your students to do a survey on the synchronisation of traffic lights in the city because that's where our main problem is at the moment where you're going through one green light and the one ahead of you four or five cars up it's red and if somebody only used their head sat down plotted this there'd be free movement but the way it is at the moment a child would do better. And then my big bugbear is that the lights turn green and then everybody goes through it and the yellow box is there and they fill up the yellow box and as you say, the next set of lights are on red so everybody backs up and then you get, it's just gridlocked after that. Oh, and that great. happens in so many areas. Students, yeah. would be bright. Yeah, it's a good, solve the whole problem. A good suggestion, Jim. All right, thanks for that. Thanks, thanks and thanks for joining us. And a West Cork listener wants to know, could I put it out there, is, it, is there a delay with passports at the moment? This West Cork listener is waiting five weeks. Anybody else waiting five weeks or longer on a passport? I know in the summertime, it traditionally is the busiest time for... If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information, 
information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Passports, but is there a delay at the moment? Is, is anybody else waiting five weeks or longer for a passport? You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. You know, we did uh, a piece in the last hour about Men's Health Week and in particular trying to encourage men to go forward for screening. And one of the main ones for men is bowel screening, which kicks in at between from 60 to 69 every two years. And it's for men and for women. But the reason they're highlighting it for men, there is about a 10 percent gap in the number of women that go forward versus the number of men. Men are just not as likely to go forward for screening as women are. So the whole idea is is to try to, the part of this week, there will be a lot, you'll hear a lot of ads, there'll be ads on radio and on TV and there'll be lots in the newspapers, just about different aspects of men's health. But there will be a lot of focus on the bowel screening and on the retina screening for men who have been diagnosed with uh, diabetes. But one of the points that was made by Aoife, who was encouraging men to go forward for the screening when I asked her about, you know, do we, the women in the men's lives, need to encourage? And she said, yeah, and that they have found in the past that often it's because of a gentle nudging from the wife, the girlfriend, the mother, whatever, that the person will go forward and they need a little bit of encouragement. So I'm really surprised to hear Marie contact us to say, with with Men's Health Week on, as a concerned wife, She rang up for a bowel testing kit for her husband to be told that they couldn't send it out to her husband due to data protection. And she said, could they not even for this week change that so that if somebody else rings up on behalf of the man in their life? I'm really, yeah, maybe it's because it's screening the person themselves has to go forward. I wasn't aware of that. So it's a one worth mentioning that if you are ringing up for the kit because when you you initially get a letter and in the letter is the number that you have to ring. They obviously have to do it that way so as not to waste. There would be a huge waste involved if they sent kits out to everyone and then not everybody decides to use the kit. 
So what they what they do is they send you out the invitation to go a little bit, I suppose, like what they do with breast check and that, you know, you get the letter of invitation and then, um, so with the bowel screening, you get the letter and then you've got to ring the number to say, yes, I want to take part in bowel screening and then they send the test on to you. And Aoife did say that once you do it once every two years, then they'll send you out the kit because they know that you are in the frame of mind that you're looking after your health and you want to have the screening done. But I was surprised to hear Marie say that she rang on behalf of her husband, but the husband herself has to ring. And if you're doing the gentle nagging, and maybe that's what Marie was doing, she was going to jump the gun and get the kit in for her husband, but they don't allow that. So it's worth mentioning it as well. And Marie felt that it would be good if even for this week they allowed the the wives to ring up to get the kits on behalf of their men. While Mary in Cantor finds it very hard to understand why anyone wouldn't take up an offer of any kind of health screening, be it breast check, cervical check and the case we're discussing today, bowel screening. If people had to pay for this, they'd be given out heaps about it. And yet when it's a free service, she fails to understand why 100%, there isn't 100% take up with this screening. We know that this type of screening saves lives at the end of the day. If you give something out to people, then they need to avail of it. And actually, I thought, don't know if I still have the figures in front of me. I thought the figures that Aoife Collins gave of the number of people who went forward for bowel screening, the number of cases that were detected, the actual bowel cancer itself is low enough. The numbers that they actually detect. These are the people who actually have full-blown bowel cancer by the time they get to screening. But she gave out an incredible number of pre-cancerous growths that were detected. 19,000 pre-cancerous growths were detected and removed from people who had absolutely no symptoms. But those people, those men and women, would not have been aware that they had the pre-cancerous growths only for the fact that they went for bowel screening. So what would have happened was eventually they would have got symptoms and then by the time they got the symptoms they would have been in and been at one, two, three, even could have been at stage four cancer and at times it would have been too late. So screening works Absolutely, screening works. Please, if you get that invite. But as Marie says, the man or woman themselves have got their ring, ring up. Nobody else is able to ring up to get the kit for them. Finbar Banakolic was on. This is to do with the European elections and he's a bit worried about one of the MEPs we're sending from Ireland south when it comes to the way that the MEP is going to dress. Take it, you've all guessed. He's worried about Mick Wallace. Uh, Mick Wallace is one of our new MEPs for Ireland South. And Finbar wonders, will Mick Wallace turn up in the European Parliament in the bright pink shirts and other colourful shirts that he has worn inside in Dáil Éireann? Or will he turn up in a suit and a tie and being smartly dressed? Uh, Finbar's wondering, is there a dress code for the European Parliament? And I checked with John Paul, because remember John Paul went out on a media, one of those media trips to over to the European Parliament. And I, I said to him, did you notice everybody was dressed? And he said, even the media were smartly dressed. And we hang out with media people. They're not always, most of them were very smartly dressed, but some of them, some of them, you kind of question their, their dress sense. But, you know, when you work on radio, you can wear what you like. But anyway, he, John Paul said, yeah, absolutely everybody was dressed, very smartly dressed. And then I was having the discussion with him during, when we were discussing this, when that call came in, that if you look at the, on the TV, you know, when they show the European Parliament in Brussels or in Strasbourg, all everyone 
it's shirts and ties, isn't it? I don't know if there's an actual dress code. Or is it one of those unwritten things that people just know that when you go to an event like that or when you're going to work in a job like that, that you're going to have a suit and a tie or maybe a blazer. Maybe you don't always need to have a a tie on, but you need to be smart. And Mick Wallace with his long flowing locks. Now, some people might think the way Mick dresses is, is smart and the bright shirts and he's well known for the pink shirts and he's worn kind of Hawaiian themed shirts, hasn't he? He's got in a T-shirts as well in, into the doll. I don't know if that's going to be acceptable in the European Parliament. Can I see Mick Wallace changing his dress sense? No, I can't. You know, I, I think if he will say it's not, you know, what you're wearing when you turn up, but others will say, come on, bit of respect here, please. You are now a member of the European Parliament and you should dress thus. I don't think he will, though. My gut instinct will say no. We will wait and see. 1850 Rita in Dream League says, there is an upper age limit for bowel screen. When I rang, I was told I'm too old. I'm 70. My husband's 74. Don't older people get cancer, says Rita. We did. I don't know if you heard our interview with uh, Aoife. There's a cut-off. It's from 60 to 69 for bowel screening. They are trying to lower the age and make it higher. They are trying to go from 55 up to 74, but at the moment it's 60 to 69. It's the same though, Rita, with all of the screening for breast screening, for cervical screening. There has to be cut-off ages. They, they pick the age group where they think they're going to catch the most cases of either cancer or pre, pre-cancer. But yeah, in an ideal world, there'd be no upper or lower. But unfortunately, that's that's the way it is. But if you have any symptoms, that's the message that came out of our interview today outside of pushing to people to go for bowel screening. If you have any symptoms, then please go to your doctor. Another texter says, Patricia, I just heard Katrina Toomey from Corkpenny Dinners on the news. I'm wondering, are Corkpenny Dinners wheelchair accessible? We took a look online to take a look at their premises. There is a step in. It doesn't seem to be a very big step, but there is a step in. I don't know if they've got a ramp or not, but the people who work at Cork Penny Dinners are the most wonderful bunch under the sun. And I'm sure if you turn up at their door looking for food and you are in a wheelchair, they will get you in. They will not turn you away and you will not miss out on a free meal at Cork Penny Dinners because you're in a wheelchair. So please... If that's the reason that you've sent in that question, do not be turned off going to Cork Penny Dinners just because you're in a wheelchair. They will look after you. I could guarantee you uh, that. Now, somebody else was on when we were on about packaging and single-use packaging and trying to be good for the environment and all of that. A Douglas listener says, Patricia, the farmer's market in Mahan and Douglas do not allow you to sell. They, they are not allowed to sell their food in plastic containers. They use cardboard type boxes. Isn't that great? And that's in from a Douglas listener. And last week, I don't know how many people picked up on this because it was a story out of England. It was the Waitrose supermarket in Oxford. Just, I mean, there's a lot of Waitrose stores, but the the particular branch in Oxford, they have become the first supermarket to join the fight against plastic waste. And Waitrose customers in Oxford were being encouraged to use their own containers to buy and refill various produce, things like pasta, things like um, cereal. They had coffees, your beans, your lentils. And the, uh, the supermarket chain said it was the first to offer also pick and mix frozen veg 
that you could just to frozen fruit you could take what you want but you bring your own container and the trial was in their store in Oxford where hundreds of products were taken out of their packaging and they were in these you could see them I saw photographs of them online they're in like big hard plastic containers and you put your container underneath and you pour out as much pasta as you want cornflakes whatever it is but you bring your own uh, containers with you they also had wine and beer you could buy that bring your own bottles uh, with you as well detergent washing up liquors was there and they also had um, an innovative move where customers could borrow a box to take their produce home with them you paid a fiver for the box but it was refundable when you bought your box back but obviously they're encouraging people to bring in their own containers with them and they have these refill stations and they in the move they say it has gone down a bomb in Oxford it, the refill stations it actually makes the buying of your produce 15% cheaper so there's the saving as well and I know at the end of the first two days I'm sure because it started last week in this Waitrose in Oxford they ran out of some of the products, produce people were so queuing up for them and bringing their own containers with them I think that's the future. I think that's the way we're all going to go. And though, you know, and how quickly we got used to bringing our bags with us and we got away, away from the plastic bags, we will get used to bringing our own containers with you. I promise you that that is the way forward. So well done to Waitrose. And I'd love to see more and more of that happening here in uh, Ireland as well. But good to know at the farmer's market in Mahan and Douglas, they're not allowed to sell in plastic containers. They use cardboard boxes instead. You can see a lot of questions coming in for Annalise. Keep those coming, please, on downsizing. A listener says, Patricia, older people downsizing. Another reason and my main reason for not downsizing would be fear of who would be coming into the area. We live in a farming community and you don't know who you would be bringing in. I would be afraid that we might bring trouble in for our neighbours. What do people think of that when they sell their homes? If they're very friendly with their neighbours, are they fearful of who they sell on their house to? I'm sure that's a concern for a lot of people as well. On the answer for Robert, by the way, do you remember Robert contacted us about he's got a commercial van and that's taxed commercially, but his insurance covers him for both work and for private use. But he's afraid and wondering, could he get prosecuted when he's outside of work and he's in the van when the van is only taxed for commercial um, purposes. Margaret says, unless things have changed, in my commercial days, you were able to use your van after six for pleasure. If that's of any use to uh, Robert. On the bin collection and the strict new laws in the city, which are going to be coming into the county as well. My daughter has no rubbish collection where she lives back in Kerry. I go to her once a week and I collect it for her and I bring it home and I put it in with our rubbish. Thank God we have a collection here in Newmarket. And that's interesting if those bylaws come in in Kerry. How is that lady's daughter going to prove that her mother comes once a week and takes the rubbish unless you get photographs, take photographs on a phone because you know you'd be able to date it unless you do something like that. I don't know. And a couple of things to mention. Hi Patricia, would you give a mention please that we're having our annual Churchgate collection in Mill Street at the weekend. It's, that's the 15th and 16th, uh, that's this weekend and it's in aid of the Court McSherry Life Boat that's in from Bina Hickey. Please give generously if you're in the Mill Street area 
that's in a very, very worthwhile cause. And there was a very early text in saying, could you mention that bingo resumes in the GAA Hall in Buttevant tonight at half past eight. The jackpot is €3,650 plus there's €1,300 in prizes. There's an in-house lotto, there's a mini jackpot, there's a 50-50 draw, there's a free raffle uh, and it's all on tonight. All are welcome and the usual buses. That sounds like a busy night, doesn't it, for bingo in uh, Buttevant tonight and the usual buses will run. And there is a really good WhatsApp in on the the new bin laws coming into force in Cork City. Part of the bin law state that under the new laws householders they must they can't put their bin out before 3am on the day of collection and the other one is that they have to have it in by 2pm the following day. Well John and Ballin colleague says Patricia Here's a bit of a dilemma. My bin doesn't get collected until after four o'clock in the evening. So how the hell can I bring my bin in by 2pm? Also, will the City Council stop the bins that are being collected by bin companies, leaving the bins all over the road? Cheers. And that's from John in Ballancolic. There was, now some bin men... And I don't know if there's any bin women. I've only ever seen bin men. Some bin men are great. They'll collect the bins and they'll get the wheelie bin and then they'll put it out close to where they found the bin. But I don't know if it's due to time pressure on behalf of the guys operating the bins. You see some of them and they are flying around, running. Literally, the guys running, grabbing the bins, emptying the bins and then getting the bins back as quickly as possible and onto the next bin. And for that reason... Do some of the bins end up actually left out on the road? Because everybody, I'm assuming, leaves their bin very neatly outside their house. I mean, I always try and put mine beside my neighbours so that when the bin man comes, the two bins are together. I think that's a nice thing to do if you live in an area. You know, make it as easy as you can for the bin collector. Now, sometimes I come back and the bin is partially out on the road. Other times they have a tendency to leave it as close to where they were. But I take it it's to do with the bin man been busy. I don't know if there's any rules and regulations governing putting the bin back exactly where it's found. And I, I don't know what, how you get around that. I, I really don't. I don't know what the answer to that, uh, to that is. If anybody has a solution and does that annoy other people and do, uh, do other people find that, that that's what happens. The bin ends up all over the road and if it, I mean, it has been empty so you're not going to end up with rubbish anywhere. But if, uh, I don't know if other people find that a problem or not. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls if you want to text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses. Supporting communities. Serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Castle Down Bear Sorry, the Castle Bear Tidy Towns group they are meeting every Monday so they're meeting this evening at 7 uh, you're asked to please give an hour of your time The Blood Transfusion Service they are a donor clinic in the West Cork Hotel in uh, Skibbereen they're there today between 5pm and 8.30 and again Tuesday and Wednesday between 3 and 5 and 7 and uh, 9 Donrail Active Retirement they have a meeting today at 3 o'clock in the Community Centre Arts and Crafts will be held beforehand at uh, 2 all are welcome 
The Parents Association of Skull Owen in Kilbrin. They're holding a fun table quiz. It'll be in Kilbrin Social Club. It's happening this Friday night at nine. And they're looking for tables of four, please. And it's 20 euro to enter. The Shandon Area History Group are inviting you to join Anne Toomey for a stroll through the Victorian Quarter. That's on Wednesday. They will meet at the Summer Hill end of McCurtain Street at 7pm. And this year's Cope Foundation Golf Classic will be held in Douglas Golf Club on this Thursday and again on Friday 13th and 14th. It's in aid of their independent living facility. Registration is through Cope Foundation website for tea times. Great prizes including a chance to win a car. This Wednesday on C103's Cork Today show, we'll be speaking with a representative from Awalia. Awalia is a scheme to help homeowners find a resolution to their home mortgage arrears. It provides vouchers for free financial and legal advice and help from experts which are available through MABS. If you have been through the Awalia scheme and would like to share your story, or if you're looking for advice, email corktoday at c103.ie. Then listen in this Wednesday at 11.45am only on C103. Hi Tina, how are you? Molly enjoying school? All good here, but are you okay Sean? Honestly, not great. We're way behind on our mortgage payments and now we've received a court summons. I don't know what to do. Have you talked to Awalia? They provide free advice and support through qualified professionals. They help me restructure my mortgage repayments and help David and me keep our home. Awalia, the state-funded confidential service for people in home mortgage arrears. To find out more, visit mabs.ie or call 0761072000. Standard network charges may apply. There's a Volkswagen for everyone at Newmarket Motors Cork. Drive yours with three years free servicing at our exclusive Drive 192 event this June 14th and 15th. Enjoy 192 offers like low-rate finance and purchase contributions of up to €2,500. Whatever your style, we'll help you find the right Volkswagen at our Drive 192 event here at Newmarket Motors Cork. Visit newmarketvolkswagen.ie or call us on 029 6100. The Wild Goose Restaurant in Mallow has a brand new pastry chef. A chef wholly dedicated to making the perfect dessert for you. Try the new warm homemade brownies. Mm. Mouth-watering strawberry ice cream cake. The -the melt-in-the-mouth raspberry and apple crumble. Mm. Or soak away those blues with their selection of exquisite cheesecakes. Wow. Say yes to your sweet tooth. Say yes to the Wild Goose Restaurant Mallow, just 20 minutes from Cork City. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 333 103. I'm actually um, sitting here feeling a bit unwell. John Paul has just put in a comment from uh, Nora in Clannacilty to say she was watching the GAA game yesterday. And she was disgusted watching the Kilkenny manager, Brian Cody, constantly spitting into his hand. He was spitting into his hands and then rubbing his hands together. And then at the end of the match, he started shaking hands with other people. Oh, my God. And just before lunch. Oh, I have to think of something else very quickly. Oh, Norla. Oh, goodness me. Brian Cody, what are you thinking of? Oh, OK. Kay and Ross Carberry was on to something completely different. Said, Does anybody, has anybody noticed the lack of ladybirds around? Uh, she said, we have bees and other things, but she's noticed a lack of ladybirds. Actually, we're trying to do an interview with, I think it's UCC who are doing a survey and they're actually asking people to count ladybirds if you see ladybirds in your garden. And I know we're working on that at the moment. But yeah, I've I've actually 
because I knew we were hoping to do this interview about ladybirds. I've been looking in the garden and I can't see ladybirds either. I don't know if it's just a little bit too early for it or not. We might ask Peter when he's on, um, Peter Dowdell when he's on on Wednesday as well. But I know, as I say, we're trying to get details of a survey to try and get everybody involved with counting of ladybirds and keeping a lookout for ladybirds. Uh, Jimmy by text says, Patricia, I purchased or I purchased a five litre gallon of hand soap washing up liquid and floor cleaner. These items will last me for 12 months and they can be purchased in the co-op stores and it actually cuts down on the waste plastic and it works, works out a lot cheaper. It's a good way of doing it as well. Kind of ties in with what I was talking about with Waitrose where you go and, and fill up your own. That's another way of cutting down on the plastics. Um, absolutely. And hi, Patricia. God be with the days when you could get a refund for your TK glass bottles. 3D for those of us from that era. Also, the returnable glass milk bottles. We shouldn't be afraid to go backwards to actually go forwards and how right you are. And I think that's, I think certainly the next generation are moving, will move more and more towards that because they are going to have no choice at all. That's for sure. Okay, I'm going to take a break. We have a lot of questions coming in for Annalise Drussell, our nutritional therapist. Your final chance to get in with questions, 1850-333-103. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Hi, Martina here. Join me every weekday from 4 to 7 for Drive Time, where I'll keep you up to date on all the latest traffic information. We'll spread some positivity with our feel good story and song of the day. And of course, we'll be serving up a generous portion of Cork's greatest hits. C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Annalise Drussell, our nutritional therapist of the Health Hub Times Square in Valencolic, joining us. Good afternoon to you, Annalise. Good afternoon, Patricia. And you are welcome. Inundated with questions, so we'll get straight into it. Starting with Mary, who wants to know, can you recommend any treatment for alopecia? She's two bald patches on the back of her head. And I think for, for us women, when it comes to any kind of hair loss, it's just dreadful. Yeah, it's very frightening. And actually, it's quite common too. It happens a lot with them. Um Hormonal imbalance, Patricia, so people will often see it um, if they've thyroid hormone imbalance. Some people will see it during pregnancy or after pregnancy. Some people see it when they're very stressed as well, which actually is a hormone imbalance because you're pumping out the stress hormone, which is made of the same building blocks as all of the other sex hormones, etc. So um, it can happen a lot and it is very scary. Menopause is another time when it happens. So alopecia is a little bit more complex than just thinning hair because thinning hair tends to be your hair is falling out and it's just not growing back, whereas alopecia tends to be complete baldness in a couple of patches. So it can be more difficult to get a handle on. So what I generally recommend for thinning hair um, and can also have good success for alopecia is uh, a supplement called Norcrin, N-O-U-R-K-R-I-N. Now, I think that that I've tried it myself and I found it worked great. I think when it works, it just, it can, it, it'll work brilliantly. You need to take it for about three months to make sure that you've given it a good go because it takes about six weeks for the hair to kind of kickstart back into growing phase out of dormant phase. So take it for a period of about three months and if it's working, you know, you could continue it up to six months. But I found for my own self and most of my customers, three months tends to be enough to get the kickstart of the hair growing again. Another thing to do as well would be to, um, you know, stimulate the scalp by massage using things like um, 
um, you could use a bit of chilli oil is great now make sure you don't get it into your eyes oh my god chilli and ginger are great for kind of warming and stimulating and just again it's you know it's just another small thing to add to kind of a few different things that you can try and then make sure that you're eating plenty of protein in your diet because uh, protein is necessary for your hair growth so good quality uh, meat lean meat or fish or chicken or eggs nuts are all great for protein and um, horsetail tea is fantastic as well um, you can buy horsetail actually in biotin and supplements and that tends to be better for improving the quality of your hair as opposed to thinning hair but you could drink horsetail tea you can get it in herbal form Okay, Diane in Ballonspittle. My two-year-old nephew has hay fever. He's on antihistamines at night and during the day. His eyes are very puffy and dry. Plus he has uh, eczema as well. Anything else we can be doing for him on the, from a natural point of view? Yeah, so the natural, the natural approach to kind of hay fever, generally people need to start that before the season begins because that way you can get, you know, excellent relief. And the best supplements to try are either the natural antihistamine supplements, which would be things like stinging nettle, quercetin, which is spelled Q-U-E-R-C-E-T-I-N. It's the, quercetin is a lovely natural anti-inflammatory as well. And actually, just a tip for people who make their own stock um, from old bones, Patricia, I always keep the onion skins and the garlic skins and the bits of old cast-off onion and throw it in because that would be very high in quercetin. And when you cook it into the stock, you get lovely quercetin leaching out into your stock. And also, apples are very high in quercetin. So an apple a day was the old saying. Um, so, sorry, back to the natural antihistamines, vitamin C in a high dose. If you go into a health shop, generally the products will have a com- combination of all of them. So that can work um, very well as natural antihistamines. One of the side effects of taking histamine tablets, Patricia, is that you may feel sleepy. Also, histamine is very important for releasing um, your digestive juices and also important for releasing serotonin in the brain. So if you did find yourself not digesting well or starting to feel a bit low, it, the antihistamine may also be a, 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 you know, the cause of that. So the natural ones obviously have no side effects. And then there's also a homeopathic remedy that can be taken as well. Um, the best one is the Dr. Alfred Vogel, the A. Vogel. It's called Polynasan, P-O-L-L-I-N-A-S-A-N. And that's great for hay fever. Uh, so generally, try and start them in April. But for this little fella now, um, the nine-year-old, you could probably start two, on the only, homeopathic only, remedy. He's only two-year-old. Oh, two-year-old. Yeah, well, been, definitely yeah. the homeopathic remedy will be, be safe great for him, and yeah. a vitamin C will be safe too. Okay, Kathleen in uh, Bandon uh, has finished on a very strong antibiotic. She said, I'm wrecked from them. Oh, I know that feeling. She said, I recently started on Super 8 Udo's Choice. So well, I've actually started a few days ago. So is there anything else I can do to improve and increase my energy yeah i think i'd probably recommend there the old gold juice the, the nature's plus source of life gold i think it's a great tonic when you've been sick sick actually i'm taking it myself at the moment just for a, a bit of energy so um the white bottle the source of life gold has a lot of stuff in there to boost the immune system as well so just to make sure that you get rid of that bad virus 
And then there's also all your vitamins and minerals, loads of different superfoods, and there's a bit of ginseng. So the ginseng will give you an immediate kick. And then over the course of the bottle for the month, it'll just build you back up and get your energies back up to normal again. Yeah, and you will come back to normal. It's just that's that awful feeling after an antibiotic. Oh, um, yeah, it's, yeah. I, I do as well. I don't know what it is. Uh, Kate was on. Um, her son has scabies at the moment. Now, she's been to the doctor and she's been given, she's treating him uh, with stuff, she says, from the doctor. But is there anything else that she can be doing just to speed up the process? Um, I think probably the stuff from the doctor would be the best approach there, really, because it's highly infectious, so you don't want to get that passed along. Um, I think generally for skin, you're looking at vitamin C, of course, for healing and for preventing of scarring. So something like that would be very good. And if you do, if they're if they're itchy, something like um, lavender mixed in with an oil is excellent for taking itch out. Lavender is wonderful as well, actually, for a burn, Patricia. If I ever burn myself in the kitchen, which is very frequent, actually, because it's quite clumsy. Um, I rub in, I, I put a few drops of lavender into a bit of olive oil and I just rub it in and I definitely don't scar as badly. So that's probably the best approach there, but stick with what the doctor, doctor gave. Yeah. yeah. Tom in Mitchellstown, any cure for what he describes as burning mouth syndrome? He, I'm diabetic and he says I have burning mouth syndrome. Oh, Never heard of that. horrible, Patricia. Yeah, Is it? it's kind of one of these no explanation for um, situations and it's actually very common in women with um, around the time of menopause as well. And what's often prescribed unusually is an antidepressant. So it does seem to be something that has gone wrong with the signaling of the brain. So the brain is signaling to the mouth that it's burning and it's not. Um, so it's not like the temperature increases or anything, but it just feels like you've burned your mouth with a hot, oh. you know, that feeling. So um, it's very unusual and a very difficult one. But generally for mouth health, I think one of the best things that you can do is to um, to do something what's called oil pulling. And that is um, where you put, generally coconut oil is one of the best ones, but you can use olive oil as well. Put a tablespoon of that into the mouth and then for about 10 minutes, swish it around in between your teeth. And it, it's very good for the health of, of the teeth, the cells in the mouth, it keeps them beautifully hydrated so it's great for people as well with Sorgren syndrome that suffer from dry mouth and also there's something in the, the coconut oil called caprylic acid, it's great to kind of remove any negative bacteria that would be responsible for bad breath etc and it promotes the good bacteria in the mouth so that helps with getting the mouth healthy and then the other side of it is going to be is a, a difficult one to kind of get that sort of re-trigger um, the, you know that nervous misunderstanding that's happening so I think always what's very good for the um, nervous system is a good quality B vitamin um, so take a B complex and see will that help and um, if you're menopausal and you've burning mouth syndrome treating actually the hormone imbalance can often be the key so something like using sage or plant-based estrogens like um, the soya isoflavones um, any health shop will have a combination of different menopausal products. And maybe for this gentleman, maybe trying the sage may help as well if he has no luck with the B-complex. OK. Hi, Annalise. What can I take to help me relax while on holidays? I find it very hard to wind down. I'm used to being in a very stressful situation every day. Yeah, it's very difficult, Patricia. And I have to say I'm guilty of the same. So it nearly takes me a week to wind down and then I'm, I'm having to come home. So I think probably two things I'd recommend. The first thing is the cannabis oil, the CBD oil, is wonderful. And it can work very, very quickly. It's great, actually, to help you cope with stress 
while you're in stressful situations as well. Um, but probably better even again would be the Dr. Dealish Clare Relax Blend because that actually kicks in within about 10 minutes and it really does just take the edge off that kind of adrenaline feeling of must be up, must be doing. So you'll be able to get that online from Dr. Dealish Clare. I have it here in the shop. Um, not every health shop would have it, so maybe ring your local health shop first to make sure otherwise you can order it online. And you just literally take a teaspoon of that and within 10 minutes you have this wonderful calm feeling. Okay. Uh, Michael in Bantry said, I heard Annalise on previous shows mention magnesium being good for restless legs. I've tried the pill tablet form, but to no avail. Any other suggestions, please? Okay. So now it depends what pill form there is because there's different types of magnesium. And I find that some people aren't able to utilise um, magnesium carbonate very well. Uh, it's, they don't absorb it and it tends to cause maybe a more loose bowel, which is a real key sign that you're not absorbing the magnesium. So something like magnesium biglycinate might be a good version to try because the biglycinate is also wonderful for nervous system function. So if it's a kind of a nerve tick in the leg, it can help with that as well. So you should be able to get magnesium biglycinate, bi G-L-Y-C-I-N-A-T-E. Try that in any health shop. Other reasons that you might have um, um, restless legs can be uh, a, an iron deficiency. So you could get your bloods checked by your doctor to see is your iron levels low. And then the third most common reason would be maybe a B-complex deficiency. Some of the B vitamins, um, B12, I think, is particularly one of them. So if you go and get a blood test done with the doctor, they'll tell you what your B12 and iron is like. And if they're low, consider doing a supplement. A band here listening wants to know, hi, Annalise, is hemp CBD oil good for arthritis? I have seen some amazing results, Patricia, here in the shop. So I think the it's a yes and no answer. For some people, it's like a miracle has happened for them. And for some people, they don't get a massive um, result. So... I think one of the issues is that the quality of cannabis oil is fairly difficult to, like there's so many of them on the market and some of them are superb and some of them are not as good. Also, it's what, what dose will work for one person won't work for another. So what I would recommend is making sure that the quality of the cannabis oil is good and start on the highest possible dose that they have in the shop. Because if you try the higher dose and it doesn't work, then you just then you know cannabis oil is not going to work for you. Whereas if you try a low dose, you're not sure if it's because you haven't taken enough. Um, and the one that I stock in the shop here is called Cannabi Gold. And the reason I stock that is because I know it's externally evaluated. It says it, I know exactly what's in it and it's independently um, confirmed that it, you know, it is um, got no toxins, that it has exactly what it says on the tin in there. And I get great results. So I would try the 15% of that, the Cannabi Gold. Um, and that should last you about six weeks. And if it's not working after six weeks, it's You'll probably know. not going to do the job. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And then, and then you can reduce it then, can you? If it's, yeah, yeah, I think so. So you see, it's all these things. You have to play around with them, Patricia, to see what works best for yeah. you. So if you start on the strongest one, um, you could always, like, you know, try a single dose, a double dose, a treble dose. And then once you've reached an, um, uh, uh, where you feel, I'm feeling good now, then you start reducing yeah, reduce back. It. 
Okay. Hi. Where's it gone? Hi. I'm on steroids for rheumatoid arthritis at the moment as well as an injection. I need to lose weight but I'm feeling hungry all the time even though I'm trying to restrict what I'm eating and eating lots of fruit and veg. What can I do to stop the food cravings? And by the way, I do walk every day. I'm blessed. Somebody's really trying. That's from the steroids, is it? Yeah, the steroids will either give you a huge appetite or ruin your appetite one or the other. Ah. So he's unlucky. It's, It's increased the appetite. Yeah, I mean, I it, it, there's, look, there's no solution really for that, Patricia. That is the fail-safe fail one. You can get something like uh, maybe um, in a health shop, you could get something called glucomannan, G-L-U-C-O-M-A-N-N-A-N, or another one is called inulin, I-N-U-L-I-N. Basically, these are kind of fibres that when you put them, when you take them in your stomach and drink a glass of water, they swell up and they give your stomach the feeling, the illusion that it's full. Uh, so it can help with appetite control that way. So I'd suggest that um, and just drink plenty of water. And unfortunately, I think you're probably just going to feel hungry until you're off those steroids. OK. Hi, Annalise. I've recently been described Diovan for blood pressure. I have developed a really bad cough. I've read the side effects and they're very worrying. I'm not all that keen on continuing on these meds. Would you have an alternative? Uh, also, I'm on Lipintil. Any advice appreciated, please? Okay, so you could try a natural blood pressure alternative. Now, one of the best ones is the Nature's Plus Blood Pressure Support. That is a combination of a whole load of different herbs and natural anti-inflammatories that will help um, the health of the little veins and arteries. It also is very heart-healthy. Um, so it helps with the pumping of the heart and it helps with the beta receptors. So it does a few different jobs to bring your blood pressure down. A cough is actually one of the side effects of, you know, some people do get that cough from the from the blood pressure medication. So it could that, that could be where the cough is coming from. Mm. Um, so try the blood pressure, the Nature's Plus blood pressure support for a month. Make sure that you've got a monitor. You can buy them very cheaply online for about 20 quid because you want to make sure that you're checking your blood pressure regularly throughout the day to ensure that it's not, you know, going sky high. And if you can't manage your blood pressure with natural um, sources, then you really are going to have to go on the blood pressure medication because, of course, the danger is a stroke. Um, It's not like cholesterol, you know, where you can play around with diet for six months, 12 months, and it's not going to be an overnight problem. Blood pressure can cause a stroke very, very quickly. So... It, um, it may be that you just maybe need to change your medication to a different one. Um, garlic is great as well for thinning the blood. So make sure you eat plenty garlic, raw garlic in the diet every day. And that will at least ensure that the blood isn't getting clotty. OK, a lot of people are, are ringing John Paul saying, could Annalise mention again the product she mentioned for winding down? A lot of people out there stressed. It was the Dr. Dealish Clare one. No, so it's actually Dr. Dealish Clare will be in the shop, Patricia, next Friday, the 21st at 10 o'clock. Great. So she'll be here if people want to come in and ask her questions she'll be here to meet with our customers and her her product was the one I mentioned it's the Dr. Dealish Clare Valerian Relax Blend so you'll get it on her website and they can post it out online certain health shops will have it if they've done the relevant training so ring your local health shop I have it here, it's actually the biggest seller in my shop, the, the Relax Blend and it does kick in in about 10 minutes. But the other alternative I mentioned was the cannabis oil, the CBD oil. OK, and uh, final one, hi, Annalise. Bad flare-up of a joint pain. 
and can't get relief, the only medication I'm on is Panadol. So, um, okay, it depends now, Patricia. I don't know if it's joint pain due to gout or if it's arthritis wear and tear joint pain, wear and tear, or if it's rheumatoid arthritis autoimmune. So, again, the pain thing, I think the cannabis oil, I'm seeing fantastic results with that. Go for the high dose. Um, So that's the CBD oil. And then white willow bark is the only other kind of natural um, painkiller that you'll find in in a health shop. You know, it's a a totally natural one. It's kind of a mild form of aspen, Patricia. It's not really going to do much if you're in severe pain. Um, But I think long-term you need to take some type of a joint supplement like a collagen supplement or turmeric as an anti-inflammatory, boswellia as an anti-inflammatory. One of the the best products actually I've found is the Salgar 7, which is a blend of the white willow bark, collagen, glucosamine, turmeric and ginger. All the, there's seven anti-inflammatory and collagen uh, joint supporting things in there. So try that for the long term and maybe for the immediate pain, try the cannabis oil. Okay, and I can just about squeeze in one more. I get a rash for a while after strawberries, said Mary. Would you, would you tell her to stop eating strawberries? Yeah. Yeah, plain <laughs> and simple, that. isn't it? It's yeah. actually very interesting, the whole histamine thing, Patricia. Um, so, like, if you, if you have got a bad gut, you could have a lot of bacteria in your gut that produce histamine. And then when you eat something like strawberries, it can actually push you over your threshold and you'll get hives or a rash or you might get runny or sneezy. So that can explain sometimes why people could have strawberries and they might be okay. And then a week later, they might have strawberries and they get a rash. It's a lot to do with the gut as well. So she should call into her local health shop and have a chat with them. And they could recommend something that might support her gut. And then she can start reintroducing the strawberries back again. All right, listen, have a great week and we'll talk to you next uh, Monday, Annalise. Thank you for that. Uh, A mind of information as always. Annalise Dressel, the Health Hub, Times Square in Balancolic. And apologies, we didn't get to all of the questions, but we knew we wouldn't. So many came in. She's back with us next week. That's where I leave you for today. John Paul McNamara produced Nick Richards with you for the afternoon. We talk to you tomorrow at 10. We're sending you to see the biggest stars live at the Marquee. Listen this free Ticket Thursday to win your way in. Only on C103.